Good morning, Central Baptist Church Saints, and good morning to you two who are joining us from various places. If you are uh, tuning in, uh, we thank God for this morning. We are still not meeting as a church. Um, I'm just here to bring you God's word this morning. We, we long for a time when this building will be filled with the voices of the saints, and we long for a time again soon, um, God willing, when we will be together here in fellowship as we hug one another, love together, share in tea and coffee, share in the word together, and um, we still long for that day. May we continue to pray for our country, pray for the government as they make decisions, um, especially decisions that affect um, the, the, the meeting together of the saints, the meeting of churches, um, pray that uh, there will be a, a speedy discovery of, of a cure for COVID-19. And may God bless um, our country. May God bless uh, the leaders of this country as they seek to navigate around this unprecedented time that we find ourselves in. We have for the past few weeks... Um, of the lockdown um, gone through a wild ride in the Bible looking at various topical sermons. Um, and, and this was due to the fact that, yeah, we did not expect normally what we do as we meet together, we go through a book um, verse by verse or chapter by chapter looking at God's word expositionally. Um, but we have been for a, a, a few weeks, as I said, several weeks um, doing topical sermons. We will continue in that fashion uh, for a time being. This morning, I want us to consider Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5 to 6, and we are considering it, considering it under the title, Praising God for Our Adoption. Praising God for Our Adoption. Let us look at God's word in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5 to 6, but for the sake of context, I will read verse um, 3 up until verse 10. Verse 3 up until verse 10, for the sake of just giving us a bit of context. And this is God's word. Let us hear him. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, and this is our text. He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespass, according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose with which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. This is God's word. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the privilege of hearing your word, the privilege of knowing that we have been adopted as sons um, into your kingdom, as those who were once enemies are now your children seated at your table. And we thank you 
for your work in our lives through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we uh, um, consider your word this morning, we also think about those who do not know this privilege of being adopted into the kingdom of God as children of God. We pray for them and commit them into your hands that, Lord, you will use um, this if they are listening to draw them to yourself, to convict their hearts and bring them to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. In the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I read an article recently about a trend among well-off or retired Americans who spend their money to travel to needy parts of the world to work as volunteers. The, the, The woman writing the article had spent two weeks at an orphanage in Romania. She she spent her time giving focused attention to some handicapped children who who were hardly touched or cared for or even loved. One woman who stayed on after the other volunteers went home reported that the children were mostly neglected, they were left in squalid diapers and no one to give them any attention. And because most of the children in the orphanage had physical or mental handicaps, they were never sought after for adoption. No one wanted them. They were rejected by their parents who gave birth to them. They were rejected by even people who did not want to receive them at all, to adopt them. You see, before you and I met Jesus Christ, we were in a far worse condition than the most of these poor orphans. Even if we were decent or moral, responsible people in the eyes of the world, from from the standpoint of God, who is absolutely holy, we were like newborn infants who had been thrown in the field. We were filthy and squimming in our blood, left to die. And this is God's description in Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 2 to 6. Our sins, whether pride, lust, greed, selfishness, anger, or whatever, rendered us abhorrent in God's holy sight. There was no merit in us that he would choose us to be his children. And yet to be and yet to the, to the praise of the glory of his grace, the Bible tells us in verse 5 of Ephesians chapter 1, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And that is the amazing spiritual blessing that Paul wants us to contemplate in these verses. In summary, what he's saying, he's saying the fact that God has blessed us by predestining us to adoption as children, as his children, should cause us to praise him for the glory of his grace in Christ. You see, praising God for the extravagance of his grace is Paul's theme here. He begins this section in verse 3 by by, by calling us and saying to us, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He concludes this first section by directing us back to praising God, the source of our blessing. 
In verse, in verse 6, he says, To the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. You see, central to Paul's thinking here is that God chose us, verse 4, and predestined us, verse 5, to these amazing blessings. Uh, thus, any teaching uh, uh, that diminishes um, uh, God's sovereignty in our salvation also diminishes the praise that is due to his name. We praise God more, or uh, I should say, we, we praise God in, in reality when we come to a true understanding that we could not do our, anything for ourselves and, and we did not add anything to our salvation, that the only thing that we contributed was the sin that caused us to be abhorrent to God. And, 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 and God in his grace and his sovereignty has drawn us to himself, regardless, not because of anything in us, but because he is full of grace. And, and so when we understand that truth, when we come to the reality of knowing the truth, we are filled and, and, and overtaken by true praise. When we understand that God chose us and predestined us to be his children, we will be caught up in wonder, in love, and in praise. I want us to take a look at these verses that um, we will be focusing on today, verse 5 and verse 6. And in these verses, what we see here, we see two wonderful truths that inspires us to praise God as his children. Two wonderful truths to, to, that inspire us to praise God as his children. The first wonderful truth is that God blessed us by predestining us to adoption as his children. God has blessed us by predestining us to adoption as his children. And we see that in verse 5. Look at verse 5. He says, he predestined us, talking about God, he predestined us for adoption as, his, as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. The, the Bible uses two similar yet different analogies to, to picture our salvation from different angles. One is that of regenera regeneration or the new birth. We, we become God's children by being born again spiritually into his family. Yet at the same time, we are God's children by adoption into his kingdom. The emphasis in regeneration is that we receive new life from God. And the emphasis in adoption is that we receive a new legal standing and relationship with God because he chose us to be full members of his family. And here's the amazing thing here. The amazing thing is that God's predestining us to adoption means that we get to enjoy all of the privileges and responsibilities of being God's children. It, it always brings a loving father great joy to watch his children light up with delight when they open birthday or Christmas gifts. Or, or even sometimes, just because you love your, your kids, you surprise them with, with a gift for no other reason except that you love your kids. Even so, the Heavenly Father delights to pour out his blessings upon his chosen adopted children. Here are just a few 
uh, um, ways that, that we can think about this. First of all, we are close. We, we are now in a close personal relationship with our loving Father. We are now in a close personal relationship with our loving Father. Verse 5 says he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. He predestined us to himself. You see, a, a, a wealthy businessman could adopt some poor children from an orphanage and give them everything that money can buy. But if the businessman were too busy with his many enterprises to spend any time with the children, um, no doubt their physical situation is better than it was when they were in the orphanage. But every child craves to know and be loved by his father. God not only bestows on us all the wealth of his spiritual blessings in Christ, he also brings us into an intimate relationship with him, where we now know him as Abba, Father. Uh, Abba was a Hebrew word, is a Hebrew word. Um, it's a term of endearment, um, meaning daddy or, or papa. It's, a, it's an endearment. It's, it's one who is close and, 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 and calls God daddy. Though you might be uncomfortable with the, 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 that term of calling God daddy because it might sound irreverent, the, 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 fact that they, the fact is that the glorious truth that we can draw uh, here is that we, we can draw near to his loving arms and know that he will receive us as his children. You see, adoption emphasizes our new relationship with our heavenly father. Secondly, what we need to know here is that we are heirs with Jesus Christ because of our adoption. In Romans chapter 8, verse 17, in the context of adoption, Paul adds, And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. You see, God's riches is our riches. But not in the sense of the heretical uh, prosperity gospel, but in the sense that he will supply all our needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus, as Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 tells us. And because our physical bodies are frail and, and life is short, our greatest and most important needs are spiritual and eternal. And in that sense, God has given us the, the gift of eternal life in Christ. And throughout eternity, we will discover the riches of our inheritance in him. Related to this, we see as well that our eternal future is secure. Our eternal future is secure. You see, if, if a poor orphan were adopted by a multimillionaire, we would say he is set for life. He would have everything he ever needs as far as material comforts go. You see, being adopted by God means that we are set for eternity. God has written us into his will, so to speak. Because he did it totally by his grace and not at all because of anything in us, it is certain that he will keep his promises. 
And again, we see that we are brothers and sisters in God's forever family. We are brothers and sisters in God's forever family. Adoption brings us into a new relationship with all of God's children. No matter what their nationality, their national or economic background is. It is always wonderful, a wonderful experience when I've been able to, to visit different churches and to meet people that I've never met before and instantly feel a, a, a bond of love and, and brotherhood that we share in Jesus Christ. You see, in Christ, racial and economic barriers are abolished. The, the, the local church, in other words, should reflect the racial and economic makeup of the community. Also, the, the, the local church should function um, as a family with, with young and old being together, caring for one another and learning from each other. As family, we should enjoy hanging out with the saints, getting to know one another and sharing in the things of God. Uh, much more could be said here, but I need to move on to, to the practical application of our adoption here. And, and we see here the, 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 the other wonderful truth that, uh, about our adoption um, is, is that being adopted by God should cause us to praise him for the glory of his grace in Christ. That's the second point. Being adopted by God should cause us to praise him for the glory of his grace in Christ. And we see that in verse 6. Look at verse 6. He says in verse 6 that he adopted us according to the purpose of his will in verse uh, uh, 5. Then he says in verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 6 goes all the way back to verse 3, showing that all of God's spiritual blessings in Christ lead to the praise of his grace. But verse 5 shows us that one such blessing is God's predestining us to adoption as sons and daughters. Note four things here in this verse. First of all, anything that robs God of his glory in our salvation is not from him. Anything that robs God for, for, of his glory in our salvation is not from him. Think about the, the Hebrew word um, translated glory. It, it, the, the literal meaning of that word in, in the Hebrew is weight. And, and thus it points to God's worthiness. It, it points to God's reputation and honor. Uh, again, on the other hand, the Greek word comes from the, the word meaning to to, to think or seem. That's the, the idea uh, that it has is, is of God's reputation as well. His glory is the revealed splendor of his attributes and presence. Here in this verse, Paul focuses on one attribute that motivates us to uh, praise, uh, to, to praise, uh, uh, to the glory of God's grace, the, his undeserved favor. If we, if we mix any of our merit, our worth, or, or works with his grace, we, we pollute it and, and detract from his glory. 
Calvin wrote in, in, in his um, famous book, uh, The Institute of the Christian Religion, he says we, we never truly glory in him unless we have utterly put off our own glory. Whoever glories in himself glories against God. I hope you pick that up. Whoever glories in himself glories against God. As Paul implies in Romans chapter 3 verse 23, saying, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In other words, the essence of sin is to fail to glorify God. So, so the main goal of our salvation, which rests on God's choosing and predestining us, should be to bring us to a realization of the glory of God, where we boast only in Him. Boasting only in Him because to boast outside of God is to boast against God. Paul makes this point in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 to 31, where he writes three times, he repeats, God has chosen. God has chosen. God has chosen. Then he adds that it is God's doing that we are in Christ Jesus in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, and concludes in verse 31 by saying, so that just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. We notice again, in this verse, the second thing that we see in this verse, to, to, to praise God properly for the glory of his grace in Christ, we must remember what we were before grace found us. We must remember what we were before grace found us. You see, we can never truly appreciate God's grace until we get the biblical perspective of the depth of sin from which God rescued us. As Paul will go on to say in chapter 2 verse 1 to 3 uh, that we were dead in our sins, we were sons of disobedience and children of wrath. Uh, to, to, to use the adoption analogy, we were not clean, we were not well-mannered, we were not bright, we were not attractive children with great potential when God picked us up for adoption. Rather we were dirty, we were defiled. We were disobedient. We were disrespectful. We were defiant. There was nothing in us to draw God toward us. Rather, in chapter 5, verse 8, we see that God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God showed his love not to us because we were attractive to him, not because we, were, we had potential um, you know, for him to pick us or because we were obedient for him to pick us, but because of his love. It was out of his love that he, he, he chose us. Thirdly, we see in this verse that to praise God properly for the glory of his grace in Christ we must recognize the extravagance of his grace. We must recognize the extravagance of his grace. Paul piles up words here to emphasize the extravagant grace of God. 
the, the, the phrase when he says, his grace which freely bestowed upon us is literally, it, it literally means his grace which he has graced on us. Paul goes on to talk about um, this in verse 1 to 7, the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. Later, when describing how God has raised us from spiritual death, Paul says in chapter 2, verse 4 to 5, but God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Then in case you have missed it, two verses later in chapter 2, verse 7, he says, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in, G- in Christ Jesus. Did you still miss it? He repeats again in chapter eight, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not a result, as a result of works, so that no one may boast. How can anyone, much less the entire branch of Christendom, read these verses and then teach that we must add our good works to what God in Christ has done in order to be saved? You see, our salvation is entirely due to God's extravagant grace. All the glory, all the praise goes to him alone. And lastly, what we see here is that to praise God properly for the glory of his grace in Christ, we must see that he gave his beloved son for our salvation. We must see that he gave his beloved son for our salvation. Paul says in verse 6 that God freely bestowed his grace on us in the beloved. In the beloved. Why does Paul use that designation when he's referring to Jesus Christ here? There there, there could be several reasons. The, The eternal love that exists between the Father and the Son is a perfect love. When the father adopts us into his family, we are drawn in this circle of infinite, perfect love. When you look at John chapter 15, verse 9. In Jesus' great prayer for his disciples just before the cross, he prays in John chapter 17, verse 23. He says to the father, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and loved them even as you loved me. And this is to show that we are now in this relationship of love with the Father and the Son. Also, Paul may call Jesus the beloved to show the great price that God paid to adopt us as his children. Jesus was supremely God's beloved son in whom he was well pleased. Yet the father and the son were willing to interrupt this perfect relationship of love so that the son could go to the cross and endure the wrath of the father on our behalf. As Paul writes in chapter 8 verse um, 
32 of Romans saying he did not he who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all how will he not also with him freely give us all things sometimes people ask why couldn't God just forgive our sins without Jesus needing to die if someone offends me I can just forgive them well why couldn't God do the same The answer to that question is that because God is absolutely holy and you are not, God's holiness and justice demand that the penalty for sin be satisfied. His love moved him to send his son to pay the penalty as a substitute for all who believe in him. And because the Son of God paid the price, the Father is free to adopt us who are sinners in his family. He, he covers us with the rope of Christ's perfect righteousness, giving us the full standing as his children and heirs. And that is amazing grace. It is amazing grace. Let me conclude by, by saying, there's a story in the Old Testament that is difficult to understand unless you, you view it in light of the cross. God promised to give Abraham a son, but he withheld the fulfillment for about 25 years. It was until Abraham was 100 years old, finally Isaac, the son of the promise, was born. And you can imagine how much the old man loved his son. He, he cherished the boy as he watched him grow. But then when Isaac was probably in his teens, God told Abraham to do something that is utterly shocking. When you look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 2, God says to Abraham, Take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a bent offering and on one of the on one of the mountains of which I will tell you how could god do that you know it goes against his commandment that we uh, that we should love one another it is an incomprehensible um, thing here to any loving parent and how could god command such a thing It is equally shocking that Abraham proceeds to obey God without any word of complaint or any request for an explanation. He didn't know yet that God would provide a ram as a substitute. Why is that incident in Scripture? Why is it included there? Well, it's included there to show us in a graphic, emotional term, what the Father did for us by not sparing his own son to secure our salvation. We should keep the wonders of his redeeming love because um, every day he, we should realize that he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he loved, with which he has blessed us. In the beloved, we are to live in such a way that God is praised for the glory 
he has freely bestowed upon us by giving us his grace. It is this that I want you to think about and meditate on as we consider this day, especially it being Father's Day. We, I know that there are many hurts that you might have. There are many people that when this day comes, they, they don't enjoy it at all because of the past hurts they've experienced with their fathers. And sometimes they even judge God based on the actions of their fathers. But the Bible gives us a different picture. The Bible gives us a picture of a father who truly cares for us. A father who loves us. A father who is good. A father who is present. A father who draws us to himself. When we were uh, outsiders, when we were uh, marred and defiled by sin, and he draws us to himself, and he washes us, and he crowns us with the most amazing title one could ever think about. Children of God, sons and daughters of God. May God bless you as you consider this word this morning. Let us close in prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and God, what a joy it is to truly know that we are your children. Not because we've done anything to warrant you bringing us into your kingdom and adopting us, but because you loved us, because of your great love that you loved us with. Thank you, Lord. May you bless our hearts, oh Father, even in this moment when we are broken, because some of us have lost our fathers. Some of us don't know our fathers. Some of us didn't have good relationships with our fathers. But we thank you that you are a father who is present, a father who is there, a husband to the widows, a father to the orphans. And we thank you. We love you. We praise you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.